You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're a something da na na na, and something na na na, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a forty-nine and a half foot pole. Merry Christmas from the Grinch. I'm excited. Tomorrow I'm going to see the Grinch, and I've got no idea which, what I'm in for besides knowing the story. I don't know if this version of the Grinch is going to be a cartoon version, or maybe a CGI version like Avatar or something. Maybe they're trying to make the Grinch look realistic in this one. Maybe it's child actors. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've seen any previews for it yet, but I'm going tomorrow after work with my wife. We are in full-blown Christmas mode at my home. We did the Christmas tree, took our pictures for the Christmas cards. Um, we did all that stuff yesterday. And as we get into the weekend here, it's gonna start with a little movie action and we're gonna see the Grinch, so. I'm not gonna be the Grinch at the Grinch. There can only be one. So it's time to get my Christmas spirit on. Um, but welcome to the Pacers pod, not the Grinch podcast. I am uh, recording this on Thursday, December 6th. So tomorrow being Friday, the Pacers have an away game at Orlando, and then they play Saturday night at home against Sacramento. Um, so the last time I... Since the last time I recorded an episode, the Pacers have had three games. They were at, they were wrapping up the road trip um, against the Lakers and the Kings. And then they had a home game against the Bulls on uh, a couple of days ago. I believe it was Tuesday night. Um, so just real quick, the Pacers, you know, they opened that, they had the win. The road trip was, I think, Phoenix, Utah, or, I'm sorry. Yeah, Phoenix, Utah, LA, and Sacramento without Oladipo. And they ended up being two and two. So the game against the Lakers was rough. It started out just a complete beatdown. Like, I would say the first quarter of that Lakers game has got to be some of the worst basketball that you'll ever see at the uh, professional level. There were times that the, the Pacers just looked, I mean, they were just getting their, their doors blown off. It, I think that it might have been 28 to 5 to start, you know, at one point in the game. I know at the end of the first quarter or maybe early into the second quarter, basically before the Pacers woke up, L.A. had gotten out to a 42 to 18 point lead. And uh, just the way that they were beating the Pacers, it was just demoralizing. Pacers were getting nothing on offense. I mean, nothing. Barely getting good shots. Um, they they were getting blocked like crazy. JaVale McGee looked like an all-star. LeBron was incredible. LA just looked way more skilled. They looked physically just like a superior team. It reminded me of 
whenever I, so I went to a super small school and I remember being, I believe we were in AAU. So it's called AAU, but for when you're at a small school, like I went to, it's basically just like kids from your school. Like I never, I was on AAU teams, but never had anybody from other schools play, which I believe is the way it is now. And, and probably the way it was then for good players. But we call it AAU, whatever. It's just summer basketball. And um, I remember being in fifth or sixth grade in the summer. And let me, like I, I went to a small school, graduated with 72 kids in my senior class. So when we were sixth graders, there was only 70, 70, you know, let's say maybe 80 kids to pick from. And half of those were girls. So you're dealing with 40 boys. And out of those 40 boys, um, you know, just not a lot of athleticism when you're, when you're picking them from the cornfields like we were. And, uh, but we were a pretty good team compared to other small schools that were picking kids from the cornfield and graduating 80. Um, and so we actually were starting, we, we had a pretty big head as a, as a team, I remember, because we were, we were whooping ass on, on our peers. Um, but then AAU came and it was in the summer. That's probably what it was. It was probably the summer of my fifth grade year because we had organized basketball starting in fifth grade. And we went and we played a school in Kokomo, um, Carver Charter School or something. And I remember we walked into the gym and it just, you could just see that these guys were just incredible. Like they were fast, they were, I mean, just walking into the gym was just, I remember just being so nervous as a kid, knowing that we were going to have to play against these guys. And they just fucking annihilated us, like, right from the tip. So I wasn't a starter. And uh, sitting on the bench and just full court press right off the start. And we could not even get, I mean, we were lucky to get the ball inbounds. And then if you did get it inbounds, there was like, no way you're going to get it across half court. And our starters were just getting annihilated. And our coach was getting all pissed off because his son was one of the starters. And I'm sitting there on the bench like, oh, God, I do not want to go in this game because I have a hard enough time with the dudes who are out there playing on my team that are getting annihilated by the, by the, the physicality of this team and the athleticism. And... Um, Anyways, I don't remember. I'm sure maybe I got put in the game. Maybe I didn't. Maybe coach, uh, maybe he spared me a little bit. But anyways, that's how the Pacers look. The, the, the Lakers look like the, the uh, Carver Charter School from Kokomo, Indiana, going up against the Carroll Cougars. Uh, and so, but the good thing about that game, so the Pacers got off to such a bad start, but they, they had some fight. And we're out with, they're, they're, not, they're without Oladipo. Um, but it, the score got out to, I wrote down here, 42-18. So I, I'm guessing that was probably about as far of a lead as they got. And then the Pacers started to fight back. And they clawed all the way back. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, actually took the lead from the Lakers. So completely changed the script of the game. But the Pacers just ran out of gas at the end of the game. And, well, I, I shouldn't call it ran out of gas. They... They were superior. They were outmatched by uh, LeBron James. LeBron ended up with 
38 points that game, and the Lakers just took care of business against the Pacers. But it was a it was an encouraging game in the sense that, you know, they had some resiliency to fight back. I don't know. I'm sure it was that, and then probably also some of the fact that the Lakers were, you know, just kind of maybe lost focus or whatever. But um, so that was one of the first game since uh, since I had my last episode. The second one was against. They went to Sacramento. This one went right down to the wire. Pacers ended up losing 111, 110. Um, so ending out the road trip two and two. And then on a couple nights ago, the Bulls came to town. Uh, the Bulls had been given the Pacers problems, really, uh, this whole year. I was a little concerned about the game because uh, I remember watching the Bulls play the Pacers in the preseason and just like kicking the Pacers' ass. And then the first time they played this year, uh, it ended up going right down to the wire. And this is the Bulls are a team that's only they've only won four or five games. They're one of the worst teams in the league. But, you know, I guess, what do you know? You know, Central Division rivals, maybe? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But the, the Bulls bring it against the Pacers. And this was, you know, once again, Pacers were without Oladipo. But it, uh, it did end up being a really close game. The Pacers did get the win, though, by six. Um, it helps when you're trying to finish a team and they don't have LeBron James. It's a little easier to, uh, to, see, to get that win. I think um, that Bulls win was super interesting because the last six and a half minutes of the game, Coach McMillan left Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis out on the court the entire time they played together. They finished up the game, um, which is something that, you know, I think we, we should be doing. I, I like that move. I think that that might not be our best play right now. Maybe it, maybe it is more, maybe it helps us win more having Thad Young in there with Miles Turner. But I think when you look at the Pacers as a whole and you look not just for this year, but for the future, I mean, the future is Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. And let's just consider this you know, kind of like our rookie season playing this alien player, which which is the combination of Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. Um, when the rest of the league is going small, maybe the Pacers take a different approach and, and go big. And it's worth it. We got to at least examine it because if if we can't play Sabonis and Turner together, then, you know, it may be best to to rid one of them for a different a different a player with different skill set and and then and a player that plays a different position because it it sucks having one of your best guys not being able to start and not being able to play the the key minutes so i think it was pretty cool that Nate McMillan played the two guys together that he closed the the game with the, with uh, Sabonis and Turner and i think it just opens the door to making that the starting lineup. And I think it's only going to get better when Oladipo comes back, uh, which I'll touch base on here a little bit later. But, you know, Turner, Sabonis, Bojan, Oladipo, and, you know, 
Darren Collison actually has been playing better lately, so that looks okay. Um, but still, I like the idea of having Corey Joseph in there as a starter. But um, that's we're not there yet. And actually, that's a big question with Oladipo. I, since the last time I had the podcast, there's been an update to the injury status. So he's dealing with a sore right knee. And this knee has now kept him out. Uh, counting the game that he exited or in the first quarter, nine he's missed nine games. And, you know, they updated the status from day-to-day to out indefinitely, which obviously just means that indefinitely. There's no timetable. Um, really, we don't know much. I, I looked up um, before starting this recording, I, I looked up to see if there's been anything else. The only news I could find was that Oladipo sat out yesterday's practice which would have been wednesday december 5th sat sat out the practice but was able to do some one-on-one drills and some it said hard cuts in the article that i was reading but uh it's it's concerning and um you know with oladipo's injury it really kind of makes you question what are not what are real realistic expectations now for the pacers um, I, for one, you know, best case scenario, Oladipo comes back and he's the same as he was prior to the injury. And it's hard to, I mean, one, first of all, even if the, if there was clear medical evidence on what's going on with his knee, um, I would not be the one to be able to really break that down and, and make it an intelligent opinion on if he could be back to normal or um, if he'll be hampered by it. So I don't know. I don't know what he's going to look like when when he comes back from injury, if he comes back from injury. Um, We just don't know yet at this point. So if you look at, I think you kind of have to be able to put two different hats on when we're following the Pacers this year. There's a hat when Oladipo plays, and there's the hat when Oladipo doesn't play. And if I kind of think of it like this, if the Pacers were to have start the season without Oladipo, knowing that we didn't have Oladipo for the entire year, what would your expectations be? Well, best case scenario for a team without Oladipo is maybe like a Detroit, like maybe finish fourth or fifth, a little bit above 500. Um, Want to see, so, but no way going to compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there's really any chance of a team without Oladipo uh, winning a playoff series, but I think making the playoffs would be a successful season. And you'd also be looking to see like the development of Miles Turner and Sabonis and can Aaron Holiday play? How's McDermott fit into the team? Um, you know, so you can actually look at the individual players and, and they could have successful seasons without the Pacers necessarily making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is what I think the best case scenario is when Victor, when you put on your Victor Oladipo hat, the, the hat that has him with the team. So, and that is still something that we just don't know at this point. Like, we don't know if he's going to come back this season, and we don't know if he's going to be able to play at the level he was playing before the, the injury, because we just don't know what the knee injury, the severity of it. But... When, let's say Oladipo does come back and is able to get to a point where he was prior to the injury. I still think that this team is capable of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a long shot for sure, but 
it could actually be a little bit of a blessing in disguise to, to have Oladipo sit out because now it's forcing, I shouldn't say forcing, but it is creating an opportunity for Coach McMillan to make some different changes to the, to the lineup. He's forced to. He has to start somebody, so he's decided to go with Tyreek Evans thus far this year, which makes sense a little bit. Um, Tyreek is who we brought in to basically take over while Oladipo's gone. But not, I'm not going to shit on Tyreek, but he just hasn't really been that great um, filling in for that role. But he's still starting nonetheless. And, um, oh man, where was I going? Oh yeah, so I, I still, I think that this team can be an Eastern Conference contender if Oladipo comes back because in his absence, there we go, because in his absence, Coach McMillan has been able to, to fluctuate the lineup and different guys have given a, been given a chance to uh, get minutes. And two of those guys are Aaron Holiday who has shown that he can play at least he's still a rookie. So you got to give him time. So I like, I actually kind of like Aaron holiday a little bit more when I'm wearing my no Oladipo hat. But when I put my Oladipo hat on, I like Aaron holiday a little bit less this season because I think we have to take, uh, if Oladipo's healthy and playing, then the expectation shift in a way in which you're not, you're not going to be as ready to be okay with Aaron Holiday playing the way that he plays, which is flashes of greatness. Not greatness. That was strong. Flashes of um, excitement. I love the way that Aaron pressures the ball. I love the way that he takes uh, confident shots. If he hits a three, you know, you better watch out because the next time he touches the ball, he's looking to score. I like that. It, it, it actually, you know, um, I think is a strength, even though he's not shooting the ball well. Um, if Oladipo is not playing, then you want to see that because now we're looking at a team that is just going to be, you know, hopefully make the playoffs, not going to win a playoff series. And now we want to see these young guys. We want to see these young guys. We're okay with those mistakes because the expectations have been lowered. Um, so to me, that's, that's kind of like what you got to be thinking about as a Pacers fan right now is, is which, you know, we have expectations that were with Oladipo. And to me, those were capped at an Eastern Conference Finals appearance or something. That would have been a super successful season. Now that with the injury, we need to be able to shift and not just consider the whole thing a bust and be negative about it, right? Like, it is what it is. So um, one of the things that's awesome is Sabonis and Turner getting to play together right now. And really, I'd like to see those two guys like become something right together, like be like best case scenario. Let's say Oladipo misses the next month, the rest of December, and he doesn't, he doesn't come back until the 2019. Well, Turner and Sabonis, if they keep getting more run together and they're getting double doubles, both on the same games. I mean, I know they've done it once I brought, before the last podcast I did, they had both guys had double doubles. Um, You know, like, if those, if those guys keep playing together and just kind of take over the team and the Pacers, you know, maybe we're not winning 70% of our games, but we're winning half of our games and we're beating the teams that we should beat. Uh, Turner and Sabonis are putting up good numbers and they're looking, um, you know, like they're taking steps in leadership, kind of like starting to, starting to put their mark on the team. Like it'd be really cool to see guys that we know are going to be around for a while 
um, such as like Doug McDermott or Aaron Holiday. Um, you know, when those guys are in the game with Sabonis and Turner, like looking to the looking to Sabonis and Turner to to win the game rather than looking at guys like Tyreek and Collison. Um, but that's kind of a long rant. And it, you know, oh, oh, yeah. So what I'm thinking there is Turner and Sabonis working together this month of December. There's maybe seven or eight games left. Getting, creating an identity, the two of them. Uh, you know, I think we need like a nickname or something for them. That's something that I, someone needs to come up with. It's some sort of, you know, like Bash Brothers, or I'm not saying that's what we call them. But, you know, the dynamic duo, you know, something something along those lines. Those are two horrible examples of nicknames for these guys. But I was just trying to make the point of what a nickname is in case you didn't know, right? So <laughs> um, let's get a nickname for these guys and, and maybe they can both be averaging double doubles. And then Oladipo comes back and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Look out because now the Pacers are starting Sabonis and Turner and they've got their own thing going. Then you add Oladipo, our superstar, and then we've already got Bojan having a career year. He's averaging like 16 points a game in Oladipo's absence. Or I'm sorry, on the season. I bet in Oladipo's absence, he might be up over, I should have looked that up. He might be over 20 points a game or something. So, you know, we've got a, a reliable, we've got a reliable, we're starting to build weapons, you know, that so. Um, if that Turner Sabonis weapon could become sharpened and, and turn into something that it's like, oh man, there's not many teams that know what to do with this weapon because yeah, we might have a hard time guarding you around the perimeter, but you know, good luck stopping one of those guys in the post. You're going to have to put somebody big out there. Um, so that's a cool weapon. Boom. With, I think I talked about this last time, so I might be repeating myself. However, it's starting to happen. Uh, Nate McMill is starting to play the two bigs together, and they've both been fantastic. Like over the last five games, I looked I looked up looked up the stat. Miles Turner has been, uh, I would say, playing where we what we would have identified as being a great season this year. Like if he would have came out out of the gate doing what he's doing now, it would have been oh shit. Miles Turner is taking a, a nice step in his development from where he was a year ago. He's over the last five games, he's averaging 15 points or, you know, eight or nine rebounds. He's swatting everything that's near the rim. I mean, getting real nice blocks, like a ton of his blocks. He's just pinning on the backboard. Um, he's averaging over three blocks a game in this span. And I just feel like he's, he's more comfortable. He, he's finishing around the, the rim a lot better. Um, I think his, he seems to be like catching the ball and, and, taking a second to just think about what he's going to do rather than just immediately rushing or something. And um, he, he's hit a couple clutch shots too. Uh, Cause we've had, we've been in some pretty close games. I know that Sacramento game um, and maybe even that bulls game. He, uh, you know, he hit a couple big shots for us late. So Turner's really, if he can keep this momentum up, that's awesome. Sabonis is doing continuing up continuing his excellence as well. He's averaging a double double, you know, fifteen and ten, doing it in twenty five minutes in action. Just incredible. He's definitely. Um, well, I've heard chatter that he's in 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 
talk of being six man of the year and also being most improved player. I would say we scratch going after six man, put him in the starting lineup and see if he can get most improved. Give him an extra four or five minutes a game and we'll see those numbers go from 15 to 17, from 10 boards to 13 boards. You know, that, now you're talking most improved player. Now Sabonis has established himself as one of the premier uh, interior players of the league, combined with if Turner can keep up his recent play, an elite rim protector. These guys actually pair pretty decent. I mean, Sabonis is weak on defense. Turner excels on defense. Turner's a little shaky on offense sometimes. Sabonis um, excels on offense. Turner's a little, a little on the weaker side rebounding, but... That's exactly what Sabonis does really well. So, I don't know. It's it's you can be you can be happy with the team, um, even during this time of Noel Oladipo and losing to the Sacramento Kings. You know, and not being that team that you thought the Pacers could be this year. That's my opinion, and I think we have the benefit of being able to think that way because the core of this team, the future of this team, is young. I mean, Turner and Sabonis are both 22 years old. They're, or maybe Sabonis might be 23. But regardless, they're young. Third and fourth years in the league. They, uh, I mean, the, the future is ahead of them. I mean, the next, I mean, talk to these two guys in, in two years, you know, or something when they're 25. And Oladipo's only 26, so he's still going to, he's just getting into his prime. Um one thing to think about with the Pacers that I heard on uh, when I was listening to the Locked On podcast, I think they were talking about um, all the players on the team that do not have guaranteed money for next year. So that means they don't have a contract yet for next year. And um, I think that the Pacers went into the season with seven guys on the team and they, they made a deal with Miles Turner. So now he doesn't have to worry about that. But currently, Tyreek Evans, Darren Collison, Oyan, uh, Corey Joseph, Thad Young, and Kyle Quinn all do not have a team that they know they're going to be playing for next year, or they don't have an NBA contract next year. And so it's interesting to see, you know, what are the Pacers going to do with these guys? Because all of these guys are, besides Quinn, are rotational players. I mean, these are a lot of our minutes. So I hope that's not... Uh, something that's, you know, kind of hurting the team at this point, but it quite possibly could be. And I don't know, so it'll be interesting to see in the, the, over the next couple months, especially if Oladipo is out for a while. I think it's it's probably be a good move to trade some of these guys that we don't plan on re-signing. And my opinion is please do not re-sign Darren Collison Please do not re-sign Thad Young, and please do not re-sign Tyreek Evans, uh, or Kyle O'Quinn for that matter. But maybe Kyle O'Quinn. When I've seen him play, I like him. But uh, so I like the idea of re-signing Boyan. Maybe we can get Boyan at a reasonable deal. I don't think anybody's going to pay him. So Miles Turner got paid seventeen or eighteen mil a year for three or four years. Um, I think we should potentially bring Boyan back. Um, because he's leading the league in three-point shooting, he, even if, I, I wouldn't mind seeing, it just depends. I, I guess I would need to figure out, you know, 
what is Bojan's market or worth? What's he worth in the market? Maybe he's worth like McDermott got eight mil, and that or uh, Miles Turner got seventeen. So Bojan's probably worth fifteen to twenty mil. Would anybody give twenty million for for Bojan? Um, he's in his prime right now. I think I believe he's twenty nine years old. He's having the best season of his career. No, actually, I think he might even be younger than twenty nine. Uh, actually, here, I've got one of these screens pulled up. Let's just check this real quick. Um, so, Bojan is 30. Damn, he's older than I thought. Uh, so, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we let him go. But, Maybe we can get him on the maybe on a reasonable contract, and and maybe maybe he could even end up being, you know, a little bit of a lesser role on the team, but keep up his efficiency. I don't know. Um, what else I got here? Oh, so yes, obviously Turner's been playing great. Sabonis has been playing great. A couple things uh, that I noticed, especially during the Lakers game, I think, was Sabonis kept having the ball. He would catch the ball. Uh, right at the top of the key, the top of the three-point line, and uh, nobody was within seven or eight feet of him. Like the, the the guy guarding him, the center would be positioned on the free throw line, allowing old uh, allowing Sabonis all that space. And I just kept think, thinking, you know, you got shoot the ball, uh, shoot that three. You're wide open. Um, and I looked it up, and you wouldn't. I, I couldn't believe this. He's only taken six three pointers this year, so six three point attempts from Demontis Sabonis. I remember last year, I thought he shot more than that. Like I thought he would maybe put one up every game or so. But the thing about it is, of the six three pointers that he's taken this year, he's only made five of them. Five of six. He's shooting eighty three percent from the three. He obviously just doesn't feel comfortable shooting them. But dude, you're. You made five out of your first six. I at least get to ten. Shoot four more. Um, you know, keep your three point percentage above fifty percent or something. Let like, I think that's something that Sabonis needs to develop and develop it quick. And same with Turner, because Turner can shoot the three. Now you're talking about two super versatile guys. So it's not just like we got to bang with them in the post, but both of those guys could shoot threes possibly. So. Anyways, it's way too early to say that Sabonis can shoot threes just because he's five of six, but just something I noticed. I thought, come on, man, put him up. You're wide open like that. I, I hate when, I feel like it gives the advantage to the defense when they're sagging off that much and the guy still doesn't shoot. It's kind of like, it's just highlighting an, a weakness to everybody. Everybody on the court knows like this dude can't shoot worth a lick from there. Um. I put optimism. I guess I've kind of already touched about touched on that. The the fact that you know with Oladipo out, the Pacers still have an opportunity to improve their younger guys, mainly Sabonis and Turner because that's the future. Get Aaron Holiday some more minutes. Uh, I like Corey Joseph. I like Bojan. Maybe those are the two guys that we sign as well, and we let the Tyreek Collison and Dad Young walk next year. That would be awesome. Um, even though I like those guys in the context of the Oladipo hat year, if we, if we put Oladipo back in the lineup, 
I like those guys. Whenever Oladipo's out, I just want to see the Pacers young guys get every touch, every shot. I don't want to see Thad Young and Collison scoring so much, but I guess I do if we're winning. I'm kind of talking nonsense, but, uh, you know, just for the future. Uh, so it doesn't have to be so bad, right, with with the Pacers, even though we don't have Oladipo. It, it, there's still stuff to watch for. There's still things to cheer about. And they're winning games. They're 5-4 and four without Oladipo, you know. Um, it's kind of boring sometimes. Sometimes it's like against the Lakers there in that first part of the game, it was super hard to watch and frustrating, but it's just a sport. It's just a game too. So it's all fun. Let's, let's just root, let's root for Turner and Sabonis. I'm pro both those guys. Like let's go. Um, so the Pacers are sitting at 14 and 10 at the moment. And there I mentioned at the beginning, but tomorrow, Friday, the 7th, they're at Orlando, and then that's obviously a game that will be its a very winnable game, but Orlando's been better than advertised this year. Their record at least says that. I haven't seen them play. Um, I think they're sitting seventh right now in the Eastern Conference, so only two spots behind the Pacers. It's going to be on the road, but uh, it's not like the Magic have crazy fans or some real big home court advantage. The Pacers still should be able to beat beat the Magic, um, I believe, moving our record to 15 and 10. And then we've got the next night, so we got a back-to-back. It's the Sacramento Kings coming to town, a little revenge game from the week before when Sacramento beat the Pacers by one. And I actually am going to be at this game, which is going to be amazing because... For the first time in my life, I'm going to be able to watch a, a Pacers game down in the lower bowl. I got tickets. We're celebrating. My wife and I are celebrating Christmas to this this weekend, and we got tickets to the in, on the ninth row. So I'm thinking if we get there early, we might be able to get down on the court, maybe see the guys do their warm ups or whatever. And uh, I don't know. It's really cool. I. It's been a long time since I've been this excited about something. And uh, it's just my little kid nerd in me that's just really geeking out about being that close to these NBA guys because they're monsters. And it's cool that we get to see Sacramento because they've got uh, De'Aaron Fox, their point guard who's having a breakout season in his second year in the league uh, out of Kentucky. And he's the fastest dude in the league. He's the blur. Nobody calls him the blur, but that's what he is. Uh, they have Willie Cauley Stein, who's just this elite rim running big man, probably seven foot, 250 pounds, just a huge dude, super athlete. Uh, they've got the other Bogdanovich, which is crazy. So they've got a so we've got Bojan, which is spelled B-O-J-A-N, Bogdanovich. The Sacramento Kings have Bogdan, which is like B-O-G-D-A-N, I believe. And, you know, it's just, what was, what was the uh, Pacers announcers calling it? Double bogey or something like that? Um, anyways, I'm just thinking of, thinking of some uh, cool things about the Kings-Pacers matchup, <laughs> if, that, if that's cool. What else? Oh, um, this is a big one. Number two, uh, is it number two? Yeah, number two draft pick, 
in this year's NBA draft, Marvin Bagley, who supposedly has been getting a lot of run lately and putting up like double-double 2010 games as a power forward. Uh, so just a lot of young talent on the Kings team. We're going to be up close in action. It's a major, major bummer. The Oladipo is probably not going to be there. I, I would, if he didn't practice on Wednesday, I highly, highly, I know he's not going to play on Saturday. It'd be a miracle, but um, not going to get to see him play, which kind of sucks because the last time we, my, my wife and I went to Pacers, he was out as well last year. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm an adult. And let's see, so that's the Kings. So revenge game, let's get that win. Put our record up to 16 and 10. And then I think we have another home game against the Washington Wizards. And that their team that's been a little bit better of lately, but got off to a super slow start. Um, without Oladipo, it's gonna be a tough one. However, I think we can still get that win. It's very reasonable without Oladipo for us to move to 17 and 10. I think the key is for these next three games against these beatable teams is Pacers got to bring the energy and we can't be the team that looks sluggish out there. It's got to be like our identity needs to be built around the youthfulness and the intensity of, of Sabonis and Turner and Holiday rather than the lethargic play of our, our veterans like Thad Young. Actually, it starts with Tyreek, Darren Collison, Thad Young kind of just, I like that. I don't, it's hard lumping him in with, with Collison and Tyreek, but you know, and I like Tyreek and Collison too. I like the guys, but I, this is the things that are annoying about them. It, it's like, they just seem uninterested at times. Um, so uh, to me, I think that's, that's the key to the pace of success without Oladipo is um, being a team that is being led by the youth rather than the aging vets. And then it goes, so we could be 17 and 10, which would look great as far as a record. And, um, but then we, the true tests come and, and it'll be back to reality when the Pacers play uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, followed by an away game to the Philadelphia 76ers. Both teams are head and shoulders above the Pacers right now. I, I would, especially if Oladipo is not playing. And even if he is playing, he's still going to be playing himself back into shape. But, well, I, you would, you know, let me rephrase that. Back to the, the moral of the story, which the story being this podcast or this episode is two different hats that are two different lenses that we need to view the Pacers from. Um, and it's either with Oladipo or without. So without Oladipo, the games against the Bucks and the 76ers uh, could be potential uh, blowouts. And we're just overmatched. And, uh, but anyways, let's look right, you know, keep it here, keep it kind of local with, uh, these next three games, we could get a win magic, win Kings and win wizards, spring the energy and, uh, we'll go from there. So I'm going to be at the game on Saturday. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, let's see, that's, that's going to be all for the basketball portion. Now it's time for me to just talk about whatever I want to talk about, which is what I do all the time anyways. But, uh, okay, so I wrote down Headspace. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing maybe over the past two to three weeks 
is I downloaded the Headspace app, which is, I guess it's kind of a meditation. I don't like the word meditation, but just, uh, it's, it's a guided practice of like meditation. And it starts you out with a, it gives you 10 basic lessons. And so I finished these 10 basic lessons um, a few days ago. Um, and I really enjoyed what I had kind of, I guess the, what I learned in those 10 sessions. And one of the things that I learned, I just wanted to share on here is, and this is probably, it's just meditation, I suppose, one-on-one, one-on-one, but, you know, it's trying to remember that, like, what we are is when it, in relationship to ourselves is we want to become the observer of our thoughts and our emotions rather than always being the one wrapped up in those things. And so there was like an analogy in one of the lessons about there's, if you're in an airplane and, and you go off, you, you take off, right? You go through the clouds and then you reach this spot where it's just clear and there's just sky and it's clear and you're above the clouds. And that's kind of the way that you can think about uh, yourself and you can think about yourself as you can judge yourself from up there and be like, you know, it's okay that it's okay that, well, okay, let me finish this. So you've got the sky and, and you can kind of picture yourself being up there and looking down on these clouds or kind of looking down on you and your life. And the clouds are, um, sometimes they're heavy clouds. Sometimes there's barely any clouds and you're just doing really good. Um, but these clouds are like thought, our thoughts and also the emotions that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, I know for myself, sometimes I can get like, especially at work or, I mean, really anytime I can just l totally lose or get lost in the momentum of, of my own thoughts where and, and emotions where I can just be in a bad mood all day at work because I don't want to be there. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like this is where I want to spend my life. Like, you know, I can just go down this path of negativity and then you can start resenting the pe your coworkers, resenting your boss for making you do stuff or whatever. Like there's all these things that you can kind of let yourself go down. But if you could actually take a second and just think about that sky or that space that's above the emotion that you're in at the moment or the, the thoughts that you're thinking, think about that clear sky and just that those are just those clouds and they're eventually gonna pass or you actually have control to let those pass at the, like right then and just be like, okay, I see what that was. I was just, I was kind of being a dick because I didn't get enough sleep last night or, or no, nah, that's a dumb example, but you know, you can just, you know, kind of like you can forgive yourself a little easier when you just realize like, Oh, that's just, that's just my emotion that I have whenever I'm feeling uh, lazy or when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling motivated or sometimes like when I feel loving or whatever, all these different things. And I don't know, I just thought it was pretty cool because if you can get, it's, it's something that I'm trying to 
trying to remember that I have that thought basically. So if I can catch myself kind of losing track or getting in, off into a bad spot, then I can just remember that and redirect redirect my my day or my trajectory there. So anyways, just wanted to share that becoming the observer of our thoughts and emotions. So, oh, and then here's the thing too. So Headspace is the first 10 are free, but now it's like, I gotta pay to keep using it. And so, I don't know if I'm, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm gonna pay. I tried it, um, I tried, basically all it's doing is you sit down kind of like in a yoga pose and then you can choose either three minutes, five minutes, or 10 minutes. And it's just a guided meditation where a guy kind of tells you like, hey, find your breath, feel your body out or whatever. So I kind of have a general idea of, of what to do, but I tried it this morning for five minutes, just sitting down in silence and it was okay. I don't feel like I was able to completely kind of let go, but I don't really want to pay for it. There's something that feels weird about that. Um, I want to try it. I, I think I probably just need to keep trying myself. And I got a friend who does meditation and uh, I asked him and he doesn't, he doesn't have an app that he follows. And, and he, I think he does it for like 20 minutes. Uh, real kind of, I mean, I, so basically what I'm getting at is I don't think you probably have to have an app. To me, it did make it easier, but uh, we'll see. I'm probably going to not, not do that. At least try it on my, by myself for now. Uh, and let's see. Oh, the other thing, and this is just ridiculous to, to, to talk about, but yesterday before um, I go to, there's, there's a yoga class at our YMCA that my wife and I go to every once in a while. We try to go every week, but it ends up usually being like once or twice a month. But uh, I was starving after work. So I get off at five and the yoga's at 5.30 and traffic is usually pretty crazy. And, you know, it takes me about 20 minutes to get there. I was so hungry though that I stopped at Dairy Queen and, and scarfed down a cheeseburger on my way in the car on the way to the Y. Um, and so I finished eating that cheeseburger at five, probably 5.20. I got into class at 5.30, you know, at 5.31, we're laying on our backs and we're doing crunches, like yoga crunches, which are, oh my gosh, they're so hard. Um, just way harder than the way I do crunches because you got to like lift your legs at the same time as you lift your, as you engage your core, regardless, it was rough on my stomach with that cheeseburger. And then the thing about that, when you have an upset stomach and you're doing yoga, is like you get in these positions that just, you know, if you didn't have to fart before you have to fart now. And it's just a, just a rough class that one was. So don't eat Dairy Queen, I suppose, before yoga to avoid the farts. Um, that's it. That's all I wanted to share. I am going to the Kings game this weekend and I'll be back for another episode of the Pacers Pod shortly. I guess the, uh, the Christmas Carol thing there at the beginning I may just roll with that until I uh, find my own tunes. We'll see. All right. Thanks for checking it out.
Peace.